0: Good morning, all souls. We are so glad that you're joining us uh, online and we hope to see all of you at our town hall on Zoom happening immediately following this service. If you need the link or the password for that, you can find it in the notes section, in the chat section, or in your email inbox in your e-news. My name is Catherine, and this week we are going to be continuing our Sermon on the Mount series. And I have been given the gift of talking about worry and now uh, i'm not sure how it works for other folks uh, who preach but uh, for me whenever i'm planning to speak i i look at my own life for illustrations uh, examples to see how god is moving uh, through the text i had a professor uh, when i was in seminary who reminded us that sermon illustrations were like windows into the room of scripture they bring light in and help to illuminate and clarify what is inside So as I was looking at this particular section of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, um, as you can imagine, I did not have to go very far to find examples of worry in my life. Um, In case you're watching this under an extraordinarily large rock, um, let me shed some light on things that are going on around us. Um, We are in the midst of a global pandemic uh, and we keep, Uh, physically distancing and we're worried about our community um, and keeping people safe I'm frankly worried about the mental health of our students and the families that I work with Um, my husband uh, is in a PhD program and the face of academics is changing daily and I am worried that he has been spending his life working on something that may not come to fruition for him I'm the parent of a toddler who's learning how to walk and talk, and I'm worried about her having lost the first year of her life, never having interacted with a child her own age. Uh, Our nation is less than a month away from a presidential election, and I am worried about the future of my country, uh, for myself and for those whom I love. I'm working on making sure in my own life that I surround myself with people who look differently than I do and who believe different things, but I am worried that I am not doing enough maybe you can relate maybe your list is longer than mine or it looks a little bit different Uh, maybe you're feeling the worry in your own life manifests itself as anxiety or depression Uh, maybe your list of worries is calling you to action or maybe like Jen said it feels paralyzing but in any event I'm pretty confident that if you are alive on this planet right now you have things that you're worried about. And God, in his infinite wisdom, has placed this scripture, this teaching of Jesus right here for us. I love what Jesus has to say in this passage, and I am excited to journey in this with you today. If you have your Bibles, uh, or you have the app, or you can click on the Bible tab on the right-hand side of your screen, I would encourage you to follow along with me. We are in Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. And I'll be reading from the New International Version this morning. Hear these words. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the fall of 2018, I did a teaching series downstairs with our students called Quotable. Uh, where we identify different passages of scripture that were often taken out of context. Things like, for example, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Or, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Now, don't get me wrong, um, I have watched enough HGTV and Chip and Joanna Gaines to respect a good shiplap sign with a Bible verse on the wall in my living room as, Matter of fact, I have a chalkboard with Joshua 2415 on my wall in my kitchen. So I don't wanna leap forth into a a judgment about verses of encouragement, uh, but I do wanna call out the glaring obviousness that this passage can be one of those. It's slapped on a coffee mug or a picture frame. And for some of you, when we talk about worry, it can cause deep shame and misunderstanding. If you really believe that these words of Jesus are calling you not to worry, but then you feel worry creeping in, my friends, let me assure you, it does not make you any less faithful. These are strange and anxious times that we live in. Uh, but I'm here to encourage you by saying that I think God is calling you to something more. Uh, there was a Scottish preacher and teacher uh, in the 1900 named James Stewart. He made an interesting parallel once to life as a painting, um, comprising of a foreground and a background. In the foreground are the things that are seen. And in the background, uh, we hold the often overlooked reality of the picture as a whole. And I think that this example is exactly what Jesus is talking about in this passage. Um, Take a look at the painting behind me. Uh, Maybe you're new to All Souls, or you haven't been in the sanctuary in a while. That's fair. Um, But you may have never noticed the nuances of the painting itself, so I invite you to take a look now. This painting is by a local Atlanta artist. R. land was commissioned for All Souls. There is not another copy of this painting anywhere. Um, The detail and the subject matter of this painting is completely mesmerizing to me, and it's one of my absolute favorite parts of our sanctuary. I feel like every time I I stop to, to look at it, I discover something new. The foreground of this painting is one color. It's black and the strong lines tell a story and they weave biblical narrative through graphics. It's what gives this painting the story. The background of this painting is splashes of color awash with no line. It's what gives the painting movement and life. What a telling story of the landscape of our world. Our foreground holds the things that are seen, what we consider the present reality of our lives. Bold, single colors. Yet the background is too often forgotten. That background that is the God-ordained reality of the bigger picture. I think the trouble is that we frequently only see the foreground and we lose sight of the eternal background that helps to frame our perspective on life. Today, our current foreground is deeply unsettling. Um, From the list of worries I mentioned earlier, um, to daily changes in policies, requirements, mandates, it is exhausting. But if you're a Christian, the background of your life story is that God's promises frame this reality with hope. In this passage, Jesus recognizes the foreground, but also acknowledges the background of God everlasting. He is not dismissive of the foreground and the immediate needs that exist, but he wants us to see so desperately that that is not the complete picture. There are two things we're going to unpack here in this passage with Jesus's words. First, he gives us something to think about. And then second, he gives us something to do. First, Look with me at verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. This word, therefore, we see repeated often in the New Testament, twice in this passage alone. uh, And in its most basic sense, the word therefore means for this reason. I think it serves as a nice transition to take us from a broad explanation to go a little bit deeper. You can think of the word, therefore, as a magnifying glass, taking a bigger idea and zooming in to an important aspect of it. It says, we are discussing a big truth and here's why it matters. We're coming right out of the passage that Stephen preached on last week about treasures in heaven and adjusting our hearts, minds, and lives to pursue the master that is Jesus, not the masters of the things that the world calls us to. Therefore, let us look at what matters. Here, Jesus uses this idea so that we can deliberately consider the gospel truth and the placement of boundaries to our worry and anxiety. We can use this, therefore, to move from our thinking in the foreground of our picture of life to the background. Remember, the background of the painting is God's kingdom. If we are believers, and God's kingdom is the entire anchor of this Sermon on the Mount. So what does Jesus say? Therefore, what? Therefore, do not worry. The Greek here for worry also translates at to, to be anxious about. So the passage could say, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Um, I don't know about you, um, but the idea of someone, anyone, Jesus himself, frankly, um, coming up to me today and saying, now don't be anxious about your life, um, would cause me to pause um, and want to give them a good old bless your heart, and then a peace of my mind. Excuse me, who are you to tell me what to do with my life? You don't know me. You can't tell me not to be anxious. And then, as if that declaration was not bold enough, Jesus continues in verses 26 and 28 about birds and flowers, reminding his listeners that even though God takes care of those small things, why are we concerned about God not taking care of us? Jesus is not being rude or dismissive here uh, but he's calling us back to the beginning back to the garden back to the way that things are supposed to be so why do we worry well i can speak from my own life and my own experience and tell you why i worry about things um, why i'm anxious about today and and tomorrow for me the answer is simple it's it's sin When we read the Genesis account and we see the separation of God and man, we see Adam and Eve's banishment from the garden and the beginning of humanity full of toil and pain. The effects of sin are for all generations forevermore until Jesus himself returns. And how does worry fit into this sin? Uh, What worry does is it pushes us away from God and towards idolatry. Now, idolatry is not simply bowing to a statue or a piece of wood. Uh, Pastor Tim Keller puts it this way, when you look to some created thing to give you what only God can give you, that is idolatry. An idol is anything in your life that is so central to your life that you cannot have a meaningful life if you lose it. So if we're worried about how much money we must earn to fulfill our needs, that's idolatry. If we're worried about the clothing that we're wearing and how we appear to others, that is idolatry. If we're worried about things like likes and retweets and views and holding our value and our worth in those things, that, my friends, is the sin of idolatry. And it's the wedge of worry that's driving us further and further away from Christ. When we put confidence in ourselves and in things other than God, our sin nature is dominant and our vision of who God is becomes clouded. Now I feel like it's important to mention this, God the Father sees our world. He hears our prayers and he engages with them to provide for our needs. The worries here that Jesus speaks of have to do with a shift in our heart focus from what the world tells us should be painted in the foreground of our picture to what God has already painted in the background. Jesus is not telling us that we shouldn't be concerned about the things of life. He certainly doesn't say that our life will be trouble-free. Being concerned about your family and the future and where you're going to eat and sleep and live are good things to be burdened by. But he reminds us to put worry into perspective. This passage is not a shame-filled guilt trip about anxiety courtesy of Jesus. He mentions food and clothing and the worries of life because Jesus knows the realities of life. He knows the troubles that humanity faces. Remember, God has created and sustained every living thing. But Jesus is invested in you seeing the whole picture. He longs to pull your eyes away from the foreground perspective and into the vibrancy of the background that he has painted. This is what Jesus gives us to think about. And then Jesus gives us something to do. I have a question for you. I have heard it said that where your anxiety lies reveal the priorities in your life. I hate to break this to you, but for many of us, we get anxious about the things in which we have put our hope. So if that's true, what does that say about your life? What does that say about my life? Remember in verse 21, the last week, where Jesus tells us that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also? Uh, that's Jesus' reminder to not forget the background when we are in the midst of focusing on the foreground. As followers of Jesus, we are called to take up our crosses and follow him by investing in the eternal things and laying down our ultimate hope, not in this life, but in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. In doing this, we are to make the kingdom a priority and we are to join the foreground with the background. Look with me, if you will, at verse 33. Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Here, uh, Jesus connects our worry to our seeking. He, He tells us that even those people who do not know God run after things like food and clothing and drink, but believers are called to more. How often do you and I run around like we don't have a heavenly father? placing our hope and trust in things, in finances, in a job, in a politician. When we put our trust in those things, we are choosing to make our current circumstance our priority instead of the priority of the pursuit of the kingdom of God but we do have a heavenly father. And he desires for us to take up our cross and to follow Jesus and to seek his kingdom and to pursue life on earth as it is in heaven. This is not simply an exercise in belief, but it's an exercise in trust. One of my favorite movies of all time is a film that actually just came out a few years ago. It's called Hidden Figures. If you haven't seen the movie, stop what you're doing. You have permission to turn off church Go watch that film. I'm kidding. Wait till after the Zoom call. Then go watch that film. It, it is inspiring. It is uplifting. It is fantastic. So the movie uh, itself uh, follows the true story uh, of a team of African-American uh, mathematicians uh, and they're they're females and their roles with NASA in the 1960s. Uh, Katherine Johnson, one of the women, is a computer in the Space Task Group. Uh, that is, she does all of the calculations and math by hand for the Mercury Project. The Mercury Project was the first group of the seven American astronauts to ever go into space. Uh, so her main objective uh, in the film is to produce the calculations, the coordinates, for the launch and landing for Friendship 7, which is John Glenn's inaugural spaceflight and orbit around the Earth. Uh, the climax of the film <laughs> is a scene with John Glenn, full astronaut suit, standing at the launch pad at Cape Canaveral on the phone, wanting the launch and landing coordinates to be double checked, since they came from this fancy new machine called an IBM computer. John Glenn wanted his coordinates checked by Katherine Johnson, the person who he trusts, instead of this new modern machine computer thing. When she confirms the coordinates and the information is passed on to Colonel Glenn, he says, thank you. It's just a little hard to trust something you can't look in the eyes. Now, I don't know what kind of dramatic liberties were taken with that scene or if that conversation ever actually took place. But I do know that that sentiment is deeply embedded in the human heart. Here in uh, 2020, we are deep in the era of fake news and whistleblowing and internet conspiracy theories. It's hard for us to trust what we can see, much less trust what we cannot see. But life in the kingdom requires trust that God himself knows our needs. Trust is a verb. It is active. It is not passive. Trusting in God is a habit that needs forming and exercise and daily practice. Jesus' promise here at the end of this chapter is that if we put first the kingdom of God, if we are actively seeking him and we make that a priority, then these worries in our foreground will become secondary to the pursuit of the kingdom. When you ground your life in the promises and presence of the God who cares for you, my friends, you will find yourself free. You no longer have to run after the things of this world because of the provision of God. God wants us to put him first in our lives. He wants us to put our confidence and our trust in him all the time, in everything. I want you to take another look at this picture behind me. Do you remember how we started off looking at this picture? Uh, The foreground, remember, is our our current circumstances, our, our daily worries. The background is the color and the vibrancy and the depth of the story that God has painted throughout the history of earth. When we spend our days fixated on worry for tomorrow, We lose the background of the painting. And what do we lose when the background is taken away? Look at the picture now. Do you notice anything? You notice what's missing? The cross, it's gone. when we remove the background story of what God is doing in our lives, and his sovereignty over all the earth, his care for the flowers and the birds and the people that he created in his image, when we shift our focus to the foreground and what is in front of us, our worries and our anxieties and our fears, we lose perspective. And guys, we lose the cross. The picture of our lives is no longer complete. It is lacking color. It is lacking movement. It's lacking life. And most importantly, it's lacking Jesus. My friends, when worry takes your heart captive and we focus on the foreground, we can lose hope. But all praise be to God. This is not the end of the story. God longs for us to get back to the basics in our picture to see the background of eternity and radically demonstrate the love of Jesus here and now in our very own foreground. I want to challenge you to love Jesus and follow him with all of your effort and to pursue after the kingdom of God. Take intentional action to trust Jesus as your savior and move the background that God has painted into the foreground of your daily life. My friends, immerse yourself in the God-painted reality of ultimate hope and trust in his provision for your life. Amen.